Welcome to Test and Code. Welcome to Test and Code. I'm thrilled to have James Falcon on the show today. We're going to talk about uh, PyTest and testing and auto use and mocking and all sorts of stuff. But first, um, I'd like to let everyone meet James. So James, can you tell us who you are? Yeah, hi, I'm James Falcon, uh, and I'm currently a software engineer at Canonical working on CloudInit. And so for people unfamiliar with CloudInit, uh, it is early boot instance initialization on the cloud, which um, for most people, that would mean when you go launch something out on any of the major public clouds, any of your compute instances, uh, there's some stuff that happens there to um, do things like create a default user, lay down SSH keys, set up networking, those sorts of things. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been doing that at Canonical for about the past three years now, uh, and have been a Python developer for the past 15 years or so. And so a uh, various number of development and testing jobs. Okay. So you've been using, uh, you've been using Python for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it, so right now you're kind of in a, at Canonical and a lot of the networking stuff. Is the networking mm-hmm. stuff kind of something you've been in for a long time also, or is that more recent? Uh, yeah, m- somewhat. Um, yeah, here it's it's mainly about uh, taking a user-provided networking config and making it so that it can work on any particular distro that is supported by CloudInit. Um, but uh, I've, I've done some some bits of networking in the past, but I don't know, all, all kind of in different contexts. So I guess it's hard to, to go into detail about the specifics, specifics of those. No, that's fine. Um, cool. Uh, and uh, I guess let's jump into PyTest. Do you, you, sure. We brought you on to talk about PyTest. Um, what, do, do you use it in your... Uh, in your role at work, or do you use it just personal project? Or? Yeah, so we use it at work. Um, I've used it at, uh, I mean, I've been using it for years in, in most of my work roles. And so, um, yeah, I've been using it for a while, you know, discovered all the fun parts of PyTest, like, you know, fixtures and parameterization and all that kind of stuff years ago. And so um, have been putting those to use as well. And what, so one of the reasons why, actually the reason why I asked you on the show um, is uh, on a recent uh on a recent Python bytes, uh, we talked. I talked about um, auto use fixture. Oh, we talked about a PyTest article, and one of the things was a good use for. Oh, there was a mistaken uh, auto use fixture example, and um, and I admitted that I don't know very many good examples for why you would want to use auto use fixtures. I have a couple use cases, but they're they're really niche. Um, so, um, and then you brought up that you have some auto use cool use cases. So um, I guess let's before we jump into uh, that too much. Um, I it's possible that somebody listening to this up this podcast might not know what a fixture is yet. But uh, do you want to try to take a stab at uh, describing what a fixture is? Sure. Yeah. So um, fixtures and pytest are a way of basically performing setup and and teardown actions, um, and it's done in a way that's uh, or considered de- dependency injection, where you know you you define it somewhere and then just list it as a parameter in your test function, and uh, PyTest is smart enough to go find it and go grab it and use it and kind of insert it into your test. So it allows for easy setup and teardown um, in kind of a yeah a, a dependency injection way. And so it is set up and teardown around the test, 
And normally, like you said, normally you list it, um, it the, the name of the fixture is listed as a parameter to the test. Now, that there's a couple of cool things with that. One is it's really easy to tell which tests are using which fixtures. Um, the other thing is that the um, that way, if the, the fixture returns any data or returns an object or returns anything, the, the test can use that, that, um, that parameter to read, to read that data. But, um, but there are cases, there's a, a, one of the things we're going to talk about is auto use. If you want the fixture to run, but you don't need the, you don't need to list it, but you want it to run for everything. Um, that's where auto use comes in into play. And it's just a way to, when you're, when you're defining a fixture, you just say auto use equals true. And then it just, it runs for anything in that scope mm-hmm. of, of fixtures. Right. Um, now, for my, um, the use case that I, uh, I am familiar with is for, for, that I use a lot is if I'm using a hardware instrument and I'm testing that and I'm running a use case against that or a test, many tests against it, but I want to like interrogate uh, the, the, the data logs on the the error logs stored on the instrument, um, and I want to make sure that nobody forgets to do that, um, and making sure those are clean. I've used auto use fixtures to make sure that the there's no any error logs, and mm-hmm. then the but there's a problem. There's a little bit of an issue with that because if you if you notice it after during teardown at the end of the that after the test run, you can throw an exception there, and it results in a test being an error but it doesn't fail it. And that's the only downside. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, aside from that caveat, those are, that's the use case that I have used. And, uh, but um, you've got a couple more, or at least one more. So what are some cool auto use uses? Yeah. I mean, our big one is around, um, is around mocking. And so I know, you know, not, not everyone does mocking. Not everyone is um, super familiar with mocking because there's not always a lot of use cases around mocking. So uh, maybe I'll go back and kind of explain our, our use cases around mocking first and then yeah. um, talk about the auto use pieces. So um, for us, you know, since, since we're doing things to actually set up the operating system, um, a lot of times there's, there's things happening that you don't want happening in unit tests, um, you know, reading and writing to your password file or creating users or um, those sorts of things. Uh, obviously, you don't want that happening. And also the fact that Cloud Init runs um, on a number of different types of operating systems, you know, Linux and, and BSDs. Uh, there, you know, when, when you read certain information off the device, you might be getting different things for, for different systems that you're on. And so, um, those are the main use cases for us for mocking in that, um, you know, I just, I don't want to run these things on a local system and, um, sure, you know, we could, we can make integration tests where, you know, you actually go and run it on a full separate system. And we do do that. But, uh, if you think about it, you know, when you're spinning up a whole cloud instance, that's, that's going to take a long time. And so, um, spinning up new ones for each individual test is actually just not going to work for, um, for all of the things you might want to be able to use in unit test. And so, uh, for us, yeah, we'll we'll mock out the things that uh, you know if if we're trying to run some external process that uh, might be doing something destructive on your hard drive, um, we'll we'll mock that out and uh, run the rest of it with it. Uh, and so, so yeah, can we oh, can oh. we deep into like dig into a, a little detail of like at least a use case? Um, like what what would like what piece of that could you mock and how how could that be useful? Yeah, so. 
for example, um, let's say we're just testing, we, we have all these various modules in Cloud Init, and each module can just kind of do its own individual thing. And so, for example, one of them is creating users and groups uh, just within okay. a Linux system. And so, uh, you know, obviously I don't want various users sitting around on my system that aren't actually, you know, what I want on my system. And so uh, we'll, we'll want to test all the code around calling the call that creates the user, but we don't actually want to test that call because that call is just, you know, running the, um, you know, using like subprocess and running the create user command that's on the operating system. Okay. And so we don't, we don't need to test that. We, we assume that, you know, the, the Linux implementation of that is right and that it works, but uh, we have a bunch of code surrounding it that lets you uh, set up exactly what that call might look like, what to do based on um, if it fails or if something's not set up the way you're expecting to. We still want to be able to test all of that code. Um, and so we basically just mock out the piece that calls out to the operating system and uh, but test all the rest of the code around it. Oh, cool. That totally makes sense. So you're mocking it. You've got somehow uh, you've wrapped the, you probably are wrapping the system call with some other uh, a method that you call mm -hmm. instead, and then you can mock that wrapper, uh, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, well, and then also it kind of brings up another way, reason that mocking is awesome in some cases is because you can have failure conditions. Um, right. And it's often hard to generate failure conditions, especially with operating system things like what happens if uh, the use, like, I don't know how, why it would fail, but creating a user, I assume can fail in some cases. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if a user already exists, for example, or um, I mean, yeah, there would probably be some more esoteric use cases. But um, yeah, in, in the case of Mox, Mox lets you uh, set up side effects. So um, a side effect could be an exception. Um, it could be, you could have various types of return values. So if I call the same Mox multiple times, I could get, uh, you know, maybe I created this user here and this user there and pretend that I've done it multiple different times. So um, huh. the, mocking library, the mocking library in Python is really powerful and kind of lets you simulate pretty much anything that you would want to be able to do otherwise. Um, yeah, so I guess um, I've got another, some more questions about mock. Uh, sure. Yeah. Are you do you using straight like unit test mock or are you using uh, the pytest mock um, wrappers for that or? Yeah, we use unit test mock. Um, I'm I'm aware there was an independent mock library, but I think that was just before it got uh, packaged in with unit test itself. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not aware actually of a particular pytest specific one. Uh, maybe there is one, uh, but uh, that we haven't had any need for. The one that comes from unit test uh, works works fine for us. Yeah. The um... And I think the Py pytest dash mock is a plugin that does uh, it does make sure that your mock is cleaned up after the test. But um, but mock has a uh, when I'm using I usually use it with straight unit test mock because I I guess once I by the point where I wanted to use the unit test mock it already had uh, context managers. Mm -hmm. So um, I I usually use mock with a context manager so that it doesn't so that it cleans up after itself afterwards. Um, right. Yeah, so you can use um, you can use it a couple different ways. Uh, one is with a context, context manager. So, um, you know, you just have your with statement and then within there, the mock is applied. And as soon as you're out of the with statement, the, the mock is uh, basically cleaned up. Because, um, yeah, if you, you can just 
you can just create a mock patch. And if you do that and you, you don't clean it up, then it will still be live after your test ends. And you obviously don't want that. Uh, one other way too that's pretty common that we use is uh, using it as a decorator. And it's the same kind of thing as uh, if, you, if you put it as a decorator on a test, uh, by the time the test ends or when the test ends, uh, it'll automatically clean up there too. Uh, and so that's useful. Um, you you, you kind of patch it up there in the decorator and then you get uh, a reference to it in your actual test definition as like a test parameter. Okay. Uh, you just specify it in there and you can you can set things up that way too. Can you now uh, thinking about using mock with fixtures, can you use mm -hmm. the decorator with fixtures? Do you know a decorator fixture or at that point, are you using uh, either cleaning up specifically in the the fixture or uh, using it with a with block. Yeah, you, are you saying like applying mocks within a fixture and then just applying that fixture to the test? Is that what you mean? No, what I mean is like if if I were to apply the mock in a in a fixture in the setup part and then want to tear it down in the teardown part, can I use the decorator thing just to decorate my fixture, or does that work? I, I don't. I, think I believe it should. I don't know off the top okay. of my head, but yeah, I, I think we've done that sort of thing in our fixtures too. Okay. Or it, like the the in the case where I've I'm usually using them with a with block because I just like that model. Mm -hmm. um, within a fixture, you can yield from the inside the with block, and uh, then it should be fine. Uh, clean up afterwards. Yeah, so we we've set them up. Uh, we've done a few that way too, where uh, it's it's easier, especially if there's multiple mocks that you need to apply to kind of a group of tests, you can just have a common set of fixture, you know, apply these three, four or five mocks, and then use that one throughout all the various tests, um, rather than having to define everything multiple times across the test, because that's that's one issue. And this this will kind of get into the some of the auto piece, auto use pieces too. But, um, you know, things can get a little ugly if you have to apply multiple mocks, because if you think of a context manager, and now you're, you know, five levels deep or something, or you know, you have five decorators and then multiple um, yeah. function parameters, and that gets really tall vertically, um, all just for one test. And so, um, yeah, I, we we found a few different ways of making it nice, but um, I don't know. It, it just depends on the on the context on the use case, I guess. Okay, so how do we pull in auto use to this? What do you? Yeah, so so for us, our our biggest use case is at the top level. Um, we'll uh, if so again for people that aren't unfamiliar, um, if you have a top-level conftest.py file. You can set up certain PyTest things in there. Um, and you can put an auto-use fixture in there that will apply to all of the tests that are defined anywhere further down. And so we have one of those. And uh, within there, we have a mock actually of subprocess. So I mean, we, we have a subprocess wrapper, but it, it's kind of a mock of that wrapper to say, um, you know, if if you try to use subprocess in any of your tests, we're automatically going to throw an exception and say, no, you can't be doing that. And so that's for our own benefit um, as we're writing tests, making sure that we're not accidentally calling up to something that's going to do something bad on our machine that we don't want to be doing. And, you know, it's not common that you're going to accidentally do that. But, you know, every once in a while, you'll call something that's, um, you know, can call multiple other things that, and then a few layers deep, you forgot, oh, hey, within this call chain, uh, we are actually calling something that I don't want to be called locally. And so uh, it prevents us from being able to do that um, and automatically lets us know that, you know, you've, you've you messed something up here. You got to add, you got to add the Mac locally. Because the nice thing is, too, is that if you have a, a top layer Mac like that, uh, you can then mock it locally and that local one applies instead of the global one. And so that's, okay. that's useful. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we also set it up so that um, 
you can you can mark the test if you've ever used pytest marks. You can mark the test and say, actually, we do want to allow a subprocess call here, just in case we need it in any of our tests. But um, I don't. There's there's a couple rare occasions where we actually do um, allow calling subprocess, but most tests we we don't want that to happen. Okay. Uh, now is it is this so these these are these might be really interesting use cases for other people. Is this something that's uh, in an open source project that people can look at, or is it uh, closed source? Um, yeah, I mean, we you could go look at our uh, cloud init um, test code. Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily look at all of the test code there because we do have some uh, some some old code in there that I wouldn't recommend as being good examples. But if you look particularly at the um, top level contest of our test directory. Um, you can see what I'm talking about in there and, and kind of how we apply that. Um, okay. We do also have a few other auto use fixtures. Um, one I know is for uh, making sure we're not reaching out to do um, like DNS type queries out to the internet. Um, Cause there's a couple things again within cloud in it where um, just for various networking type reasons, we might want to try to resolve a host name. Um, but we yeah. also want to be able to run cloud in it in a, or run the unit test, excuse me, in um you know, in, on, on Jenkins nodes that don't have access to the internet. So, you know, it's something that might pass locally, but then once it got onto Jenkins, it would fail. And uh, another thing to just let you know, like, hey, you're trying to to reach out to the internet in a way that's not going to work when you try to run it on Jenkins. Okay. Yeah, actually, this. So, um, it from what I've heard so far, you're using mocks and um, and auto use around mocks, but mocks in general to. Um, to isolate the testing away from so that you're not testing bits that really aren't your code. Uh, they're either system mm -hmm. system calls or networks um, services that you're uh, like a DNS. Uh, that's a service that you don't, that's not your part of your code. So you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're stubbing out mocking or stubbing things that are external to your software. So do you have any, um, the things that I, I particularly, I know it's just a testing style, but I shy away from mocking out my own code. Like uh, mm -hmm. it, there is there is a model of um, of unit test where you mock out different subsystems and you're just, or even different functions within our within your system. You, it doesn't sound like you're using that sort of a model. No, yeah, I also i I don't usually think that would be a very good idea. Um, Unless you know, there's there's something that's going to take a really long time, or you know, have some complicated setup, that sort of thing. Um, I, I could see maybe doing it in those cases, but yeah, in general, I think um, I think the better you know places for mocks is where, like you said, you're calling out to something external or something that you don't think that you need to be testing. It's part of another system that should have been tested separately. Yeah, and it, like in a in a general sense, um, one of the like examples that i've heard before are um <laughs> um or things like if you're going to charge a credit card or send an email you don't really mm -hmm. want to do that all the time in your testing <laughs> right <laughs> um but the uh but the, those are obvious don't you'd want to mock that case mm -hmm. and then there's like the less obvious where you get into like do you want to touch the file system or not um and that's around probably test speed um and i I generally used to like uh, avoid do it, mocking the file system or even even using, um, but I do. I guess I got to admit I use temp files, and temp files are kind of like uh, you know pretend file system part. And then you can also 
within the temp file system, you can um, have it not actually be a file and you can have it be a in-memory file. And mm-hmm. then that's kind of the same as mocking the uh, file system. But yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, we will do something similar where um, this isn't an auto use thing, but uh, we, we have a whole series of functions that we kind of retarget. So let's say I need to write to Etsy password. Uh, that's not something I want to do locally, but I do want to test that we can actually write Etsy password. And so we have a series of mocks that will go and uh, retarget it into slash temp. So instead of writing Etsy password, it writes slash temp slash Etsy password. And then now within temp, we can kind of do all these things safely without worrying about overwriting yeah. anything on our own systems. No, that those are great use cases. So, um, uh, and that, yeah. I think these are these are awesome examples for complete reasonable. You don't want your tests to muck up your system, so you don't mm-hmm. want to like change services or file system stuff on your own computer, and also stubbing out or mocking network services. So mm-hmm. great, great example. Yeah. yeah, there's one that might be a little more controversial that uh, that I'll do is that uh, sometimes even at the top of a module, um, talking about you know mocking multiple things, sometimes I will make an auto use fixture. Um, that works for uh, kind of everything within the file. And so again, at the test level, you can't see what's necessarily being mocked, but sometimes uh, for me, it's a trade-off of like, you know, readability and style and that kind of thing. And I think we have enough modules that do that, that we know to kind of look at the top of our modules to see, um, you know, what we mocked before, um, you know, wondering if there's if there's something, some weird behavior that's not making any sense to us. Um, Okay, so any that I think those are those are great rules of thumb. So if you're having an auto use on a in a global scale on your all your whole test suite for things you really really don't want to have happen, like don't call mm-hmm. subprocess unless right unless you specifically know what you're doing and you've marked it to say yeah I want to use it for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a cool way. Like ha- have a global by default don't, but have an escape hatch if you need. That's that's kind of cool. It's a cool, cool way to do it. Um, the other thing, uh, like you said, is it, other other than that, try to keep auto use fixtures as close to the test as possible. Because right. why? It's because they're they're hard to they're it's hard it's weird when your test behaves the way it, uh, you know in a weird way. I guess yeah, and I, I have been places where we haven't done that and you zoom out to an outer level and there's, you know, some auto use fixture that's in the middle of, uh, you know, it's like a, you have multiple layers of contest files and in the middle of there, there's an auto use fixture somewhere. And, um, it's really hard to know what's going on in your test because, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not close to the test and there's real, no, no way to see where is this being applied? How do I use this? And so, yeah, that's a great rule of thumb. I I have in the past thought it was really awesome that that you could have um, conf test files at every level of your test uh, hierarchy, mm-hmm. um, but I've kind of gone back to, it's bitten me a lot of times. To have, especially if I have an auto use fixture sitting in a conf test file in a direct in mid level directory, I will forget about it. Um, right. And and even a fixture that's there, um, I, I it it doesn't it make. It made sense to me at first, and I it still kind of makes sense logically to say I want to keep a uh, like a fixture, even if it's not if it's not an auto use fixture, just a normal fixture. Keep it mm-hmm. as close to the test as possible. So mm-hmm. if it's just used by one module, throw it in there. 
if it's used by a few modules in a directory, that made sense for me at one point to put it in a conf test file in that directory. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm leaning towards, is there, put it at the top level unless there's a real good reason to not. Um, like for instance, if I've got, um, I guess I had, I've got, I've got projects where I've got uh, similar tests that uh, access either, that test the same behavior, but test it through the user interface or through the um, API. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those cases, we've got little stubs that like, you know, some fixtures that are the identical names and, but they, they act either on the CLI or they act or the, the user interface or the, or they act on the API. Those make sense to split those up. But mm-hmm. normally now I'm thinking, well, who am I to say if it might be useful for other tests, maybe I'll throw it at the top level. And maybe it doesn't make sense at a top level on your whole test suite, but unless there's a harm done, it's to, to me, it's handy to just have those findable. They're either in the module or they're in the one confidence file. Um, right. Yeah. But, we, we do something similar. Um, you know, we'll have a, a few in the actual modules and then uh, we do have a top level contest, but then we also split unit tests and integration tests under that. And so yeah, each set of those will have their own, but uh, yeah, beyond that, that yeah, I, I don't think we have additional comp test files beyond that. Um, also, also I do have, um, I have seen people like, uh, stick all their, uh, fixtures in a separate fixtures file and then, and then just have that import, import star from your, uh, a conf test file. It's mm-hmm. a interesting design, like the hierarchy design, but we, I've never done that because I haven't felt the need, but yeah, um, I, I could see, you know, if you have a lot of fixtures or your, your comp test is really huge, um, you know, sure makes sense to split it out that way but uh if if your comp test is you know a few hundred lines or something i, I don't see a, a big need to to need to import anything separate yeah anyway cool um yeah. any other uh things you want to touch on with this um um how long have you been using pytest for this is it forever or did you switch at one point i mean i've been, I've been using pytest a long time uh you know several years but yeah, I mean, early days I was just using unit test things, but it was you know in the early days of Pytest, it's just people were using unit tests before that. So, are there years. are there like in this uh, cloud init test suite, for instance, um, is it using both unit test and Pytest or just? <laughs> yeah, there there is a mix in there. Um, it it started off as just a unit test um, unit test project, and so since then we have adopted Pytest, and so as we go along, we do try to migrate things when we can to use Pytest. And um, there's there's a couple of base classes that we used in the unit test thing to do a lot of things that we can do with fixtures now. And so migrating away from that big base class into using various fixtures and parameterization and, and that sort of thing. And yeah, so it's it's an ongoing project. There's there's still a lot of pieces that need to be migrated. It's 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 not something that will probably take a big chunk of time and just ever do it all at once. It's just you know as we come across things that we need to modify, eh, if, if we got to time, go ahead and and do the uh, the migration first. Yeah, as, actually, I think it was a brilliant decision on the PyTest people. I wasn't around at the time, but the 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 idea of having PyTest be able to run unit tests also, so that you can you can switch to a PyTest as a test runner and um and run both your unit test and your PyTest test with one invocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's brilliant. But um but it yeah. and it, it allows you to gradually do this. You 
you can just start using PyTest. You don't have to convert other stuff if you don't want to. So. Yeah, it's it's a really nice thing about PyTest because previously we were using Nose and I don't think Nose is even uh, supported anymore, right? Or, or developed at this point. So I don't it, think so. I think there was a Nose 2, but I don't know where that went. Um, but um, And then PyTest did used to support Nose, uh, the Nose, Nose test, but it doesn't, I don't think it does anymore. Uh, not sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, we were just using it as a runner. So everything that was actually defined as tests was just unit test compatible. Okay. Nice. Cool. Uh, well, thanks so much for uh, sharing your time with us today, James. And I yeah. wish you well. Thanks for having me on. It was great being here.